On this episode, I'm talking with Natasia Malihalo. She's the founder and CEO of Wiser, a technology startup that makes survey taking fun. You're never going to believe the miracles she experienced on her way to success. She's super smart, and I learned some really great tips on how to live off of $5. Let's dive in. Failing. 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 When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Natasia, welcome. I want to welcome the founder, and is it CEO too? Yes. Of Wiser? Yes. Which, by the way, I got to tell you that I love the spelling, but of Wiser, which we'll get into in a minute. Sure. Um, but Natasia's last name, first and last name, are not the easiest. But once you get them right, I think they're, you'll never forget them. So Molly Hollow, which I think is an awesome last name. Thank you. And it's what? It's Indonesian. So who's Indonesian, your mom or your dad? My dad. Awesome. And your mommy? My mom's Portuguese and Dutch. Okay. And tell our listeners how many languages you know. I know three. <laughs> and what are the three? Uh, it's Indonesian, English, and Dutch. So cool. But I thought Spanish, too. I know a little bit of Spanish from high school. Okay, yeah. great. Okay. So almost four. Three almost and a half. Almost four. Three and a yeah. half. <laughs> okay, Natasha. So I heard you speak at a, at a YP event, and you were amazing. So I'm yeah. really happy that you're here today. Thanks Thank for you. taking the time. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about you. Where are you from? A little background. Yep. So I'm originally from Orange County, California. So I'm far from home. Um, I studied legal science and computer science at college. I went to Berkeley. Um, and then I was on a fast path to become a attorney. So I thought I wanted, I knew that I wanted to work in tech. I wanted to be actually an intellectual property attorney um, in the Valley. And so worked for three and a half years, ended up getting into Georgetown. So I went to Georgetown um, for, law school. for law school, but dropped out after my first year to become an entrepreneur. And I haven't looked back since. Oh my God, I love it. Okay, so what? tell me what brought you to Cincinnati, Ohio from all the California, Berkeley, California. Yes. So, um, at the, so Wiser at the time was about eight months old, and we were out of, completely out of money. And you know, uh, the, one of the founders of the Brandry, which is a local accelerator here in Cincinnati, reached out and said, "Natasha, I really think you'd be a good fit for our program." And I insist. I kept saying no, but something just told me. I mean, when you're like negative two hundred fifty-three dollars in your business bank account, you have no <laughs> prospects for customers or for investors, and someone saying, hey, we're going to give you $50,000, free office space, a network, and, you know, support. hopefully support, and hopefully, you know, community um, support, and hopefully find you some customers. And all you have to do is move to Cincinnati. I mean, you know, even though I never thought of coming to Cincinnati, never actually once crossed my mind that I wanted to come <laughs> to Ohio. But I thought, why not? I mean, it's a three-month program, nothing to lose. So I came. So <laughs> what what does Wiser do? So Wiser builds uh, surveys that feel like games. So, you know, people, companies love sending out surveys, but people hate taking them. Yeah. So we make them fun, fast, and easy. All of our surveys are under 60 seconds. Okay, so how do you make them fun, fast, and easy? So we design surveys that look and feel like games. So a lot of the same kind of uh, 
game design theory, color theory that goes into people designing mobile games and uh, mobile, like just, you know, in general, social media, things that are fun and engaging. We use those same design elements, but for a survey. The way that's different is that most researchers, when they design surveys, they're never, they're never thinking that it should be fun or it should be fast no. because researchers love long, you know, <laughs> surveys that have a lot of questions and a lot, collect a lot of data. A lot, very boring. Yes. <laughs> okay, how did you get the idea for this? So my, I had a startup before Wiser that failed. And when that startup failed, I kind of took a look at what I did wrong. And the number one thing that I did wrong was I never asked for feedback. And then when I looked into kind of the feedback space, I just knew that there had to be something different. There's a lot of survey platforms out there. There's a lot of just different tools. I mean, people collect feedback through emails, comment cards, and I just thought it has to be different. Someone has to kind of flip the entire thing around. That's so awesome. So you mentioned moving to Cincinnati and Rob McDonald saying to you, we're going to help you with this, 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 and and help you get customers. So tell us some of your customers. Yeah, so we have... If you can. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, A lot of our customers are really, they're really, I guess, lenient towards us because we're a startup and so they kind of just like oh you know whatever we can do to help so we have some really great customers we have over 700 customers in 42 countries now um some of our well-known ones of course are like google facebook uh unilever disney walmart locally procter and gamble kroger so we have a lot a wide range of people i mean every company needs feedback in some way whether that's employee feedback or customer feedback and we've been fortunate enough that companies that use Wiser, you know, they're big brands, so other big brands take notice and they don't want to be left behind. And so we kind of just grew from that. (laughs) It's like FOMO, fear of missing out. (laughs) Okay, so tell our audience how old you are right now. I'm 30. I just turned 30 this year. I love it. And how many startups have you had? (laughs) I've had two. One failed and Wiser's, of course, still going strong. Doing really well. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I think it's really important for especially... I I think you can be an entrepreneur at any age, really. Um, But I do think a lot of people have some fear around starting that. So for you, how'd you get the courage? Yeah, you know, when I look back, because I get this question a lot, like just what made you become an entrepreneur? And honestly, it was just the, the obsession with the idea and the passion for it. So I've never once wanted to be an entrepreneur. Honestly, when I was growing up, I just thought that was like a them versus me. Like I would rather just have like the nine to five and be, you know, have structure in my life. I was very risk adverse and um, just- Really? Yes, like I, you know, I was the type of person that like, if it seemed like it was a risky situation, I definitely would, don't count me in. Like anything risky, like is is anything we're doing illegal? Is this gonna hurt my feelings? Am I going to fall in the process? Like, I was very, and, and that was what, also why I didn't eat anything that, like, I was always like a chicken tenders and fries type of girl <laughs> for like five years because I was like, I don't know if I could be allergic to this or not. I was that type of person. I was very, very risk adverse. Um, so it's really weird now that I'm an entrepreneur and just kind of, I take a lot of risks now. Um, but I think it's just, you, you become obsessed with an idea and um, you realize that if you don't do something no one will and the idea will just filter like you know fly away and and be gone and and you really think that people can use what you're building or what you think you should build um so that's really what drove me to become an entrepreneur and i think 
regardless of your age, if you become obsessed with an idea and you have a really great idea that you believe is, is going to make it, you should definitely take a stab at it and really try. So question, were your parents entrepreneurs so my dad was an entrepreneur yes and my dad but unfortunately my dad actually passed away because mm-hmm. he was an entrepreneur so he um he started a company that was like the office was an hour and a half from our house and so it was in san diego and we lived in orange county and while he was working and he worked really late so he had like his regular job during the day and he was working on this bit new business um late at night and so he drove down to san diego and was in a car accident oh um coming back and so after that my mom was just like no no for anyone Wanting to be an entrepreneur, absolutely not. And so for the most of my entrepreneur journey, my mom didn't know I was an entrepreneur because I was afraid to tell her. So she thought I was still in law school. Are you kidding me? Yes. <laughs> okay, do you have siblings? I do. I, I'm the middle child. So I have an older brother, an older sister, and a younger brother. And I'm sister. the middle child. I like middle children. Um, <laughs> so you're, so you, when you were at Georgetown, like she still thought you were at Georgetown. I mean, you were not at Georgetown. So she still thought you were there. Correct. So... Um, How did you tell her? So someone found out. So I had like, oh, I had like blocked your family. Yeah. So I had blocked everyone on Facebook. So so at the time, I moved. I moved back from DC. I actually moved to Arkansas. There was a business program in Arkansas, and I joined that program for my first start. I'm not wiser, but the previous the startup. startup. Yep. And um, so I had blocked all my family members so that they couldn't see any of my pictures or posts. So they couldn't see that I was in. Arkansas. They just assumed I was so busy I wasn't on Facebook. And then someone added me on Facebook, a, a new family member. Well, she was an existing family member, right. but she she became <laughs> a new like, friend yeah. <laughs> on Facebook. And I forgot to like filter all the views. So she looked at it and she said, like, you know, there's no way Natasha is in D.C. There's no way she's still in uh, law school. And so she told my mom. My mom, like, called me and was like, is this true? Like, what's going on? And, you know, I, I told her the truth and she was really upset and she was upset. So that company, yeah. I had that company years ago, but she was actually upset up until, like, the second year, maybe first or second year of Wiser. And Wiser's only three years old. So, you are kidding. Yeah, so she was upset about my career choice for at least four years. <laughs> so... <laughs> that's crazy yeah that's really wild yeah and i get why she was i totally get that but what brought her around because she knew you loved it um you know i think once she started it's it, it's always interesting to me because I, I hear this and i see this a lot that they're like entrepreneurs are always saying that your family members are the last people to support you for whatever reason and maybe it's because they like they see the risks and they yeah. see like all the dangers and pitfalls. Well, and they see the pain. And they see the pain. And they I mean, see the struggle. there are growing pains and yes. struggles all the time. Yes, exactly. And I think like once other people started saying, no, like Wiser's a great idea. Like Wiser's an awesome idea. It's so funny yesterday. So we can see like every person that signs up for a new account. Yeah. Last night, I saw my mom signed up for Wiser. <laughs> Stop. I did. And I oh was my- like, I like, I was Did you call her? Oh, I didn't call her because it was so late my time. But like, 
like when I looked at it, I was like, I was like, I didn't know how to react. Like I was gonna cry, I was gonna laugh. Yeah. I was like, really, she signed up for why? That's so interesting. Okay, that's yeah. so cute. It's full circle. Yeah, it is. Okay, that made me ask the question then. What do you, so can anybody sign up for Wiser? Yes, yes, it's completely open. Anyone can sign up. We're just like right now. We're still trying to figure out who's like our our best type of customer, what kind of features we want. So the platform has only been out for five months. Um, so it's been a, a very okay, short so window. Okay, so when, when Brandery recruited you, were you guys in creation mode of yes. the platform? We were in very early stages. So we You're had development. A, we were in very early stages of development. Yep. Oh, my God. Okay, so you launched it yes. five months ago. Is that yes. what you said? Yes. And anybody can get on it. Where do they get it? Um, Wiser.com. So that's W-Y-Z-E-R-R. <laughs> yeah, and why W-Y-Z-Z-E-R? Z-E-R-R, uh, right? yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, so we wanted the C-E-R-R. regular spelling of Wiser, but of course, you know, right. Sony sure owned it. Like, of and, and, right. like, first of all, why does Sony own Wiser.com? Like, what about what you do is like anything related to, <laughs> I mean, maybe there's a lot, but so yeah, so I like I kind of went down the list, like, okay, what are the derivatives we wanted? Then we were like, Wise, how about Wise.com? And of course, that was also owned by someone, but, um, and then finally we just said, hey, well, you know, we're, innovators and we're techies like let's stand out and be different and so of course i like the double r at the double end. r is just yeah. an extra <laughs> extra letter in there that you don't need <laughs> but it sounded cool <laughs> yeah it is cool okay so you can go to wiser.com sign up there and then what i was reading was so if i go into a target or a store i could get a survey while i'm in there is yes. that right yes correct Okay, and what is that? Why would I answer that survey? Like, tell me about that. Yes, yeah, so um, a lot of people don't know this, but it's been said that consumers, research has proven that consumers, 78% of consumers actually want to give feedback to the company, but they don't because it's really hard to do so right now. So, like, you know, people want to feel because they're, they're uh, they, sh- you know, engage with the business so much or they shop somewhere so much. They want to be. They want to feel valued, and they want to feel like their opinions matter. Yeah. Um, so, a that's that's the one key thing is that people actually do want to give feedback. The problem is that there isn't an easy way to do it. Like sending someone a survey, once they're in their own uh, at home and they're in their free time, the little free time people have these days, they're not going to spend it taking a survey. But when they're in a location, like if they're waiting in line, for example, why would you not take a survey while Instead you're Instead of looking at the magazines. magazines? Right, exactly. And so we try to capture um, the attention of consumers. We say while they're already engaged or they're a captive audience is like the terminology in our field. Okay, and then what would be a game? Like what would be an example of that? So we have one of our most popular interfaces is a like a drag and drop. So there's a bunch of little bubbles and you just drag the bubbles into boxes. What people don't know is that they're actually answering anywhere between like six to nine questions in less than like 20 seconds um, by dragging these little bubbles into boxes. And so. Okay. So is the goal, is the business model eventually what? So right now we're completely um, SaaS. So we're a monthly subscription. You okay. pay a a small fee to use the surveys and then as you kind of need more services or you need more capabilities then you just kind of upgrade your account okay and then do you create different interfaces for different customers like is it branded so it can be branded but it's the same interface but you just change like companies just change the colors. colors they add their own icons they add their own um you know 
verbiage and things like that to customize it. Eventually, though, we will be offering. So we really focus on like getting more interfaces out and so just getting more styles and designs and being as creative. So we do have a lot of really fun ones coming out that I'm sure some companies will probably offer them as exclusive to certain companies. Okay. So how many employees do you guys have now? We are at eight. That's big. Yeah, it's sizable. <laughs> it is. Okay, eight employees. Yep. Um, and will you share the story that you shared at the other event um, on the challenges of getting to the pitch place that Rob McDonald was at for the brand? Tell us, take us through that story. Yes, so I mentioned it a little bit at the beginning of the podcast, but so basically what had happened was Wiser, we had received a 500000 investment offer. We turned it down because we felt like it was the wrong investors, but when we turned it down, we also kind of had no plan yeah. Um, where to go from that. And so by we had we started asking our existing customers to pay for their invoices, but because they paid like, you know, their six months invoices, now for the next six months we weren't getting any revenue because they all paid their invoices up front. Right. Um, so by April we were completely out of money and we were in danger of losing the domain name that we worked so hard to get, wiser.com, um, all of our email servers we were gonna lose because we couldn't afford the Gmail accounts anymore. So even if if someone wanted to use Wiser, they wouldn't be able to contact us. Um, and I guess we could have just used a regular Gmail account, but it was just, you know, we've already built like some branding around um, our company name. And so, and besides the website was going to get shut down. We had no money for that. Um, and by then we were like negative $242 or something like that by April. And so, um, you know, I was trying to figure out and I was starting to lose hope. Like I was thinking that maybe I should just go back to law school yeah. and, you know, figure it out then. I mean, it just, it just seemed like my life was not meant to be an entrepreneur. Um, and then I get a phone call from a stranger in Detroit. To this day, I actually don't know who that woman was. Um, but she called me and said that there was a pitch competition in Detroit that she wanted me to come to and pitch. There was a $25,000 cash prize. I had no money for this pitch competition um, to get to Detroit from LA. And so, you know, I was too embarrassed to say that I didn't have the money. So I said, okay, yeah, I'll be there. The day before the pitch competition, I finally, you know, they're sending all the emails like, hey, this is where you should go. This is where right. you check in. So I finally like re replied to her and said, hey, I like, and I lied. I said, um, I missed my flight. Sorry, I can't go. She like immediately calls me and said, Natasia, like you have to come. Like, I don't care. Like you're going to like, you're making a big mistake. I feel like this is going to change our life. You have to come to Detroit. Oh um, so then I like, you know, finally told her the truth because she was so passionate. Like she just, she seemed really upset that I wasn't coming so I said hey you know I really just don't have the money like honestly like there's no way that I can get there and so and by she, the way you could have said to her I'm sorry I can't do it and hung up the phone thank god you told I her know. the truth I, I'm so glad like you know there's like you have like those moments where you can you you have to make an instant decision and like you don't realize until later but your decisions can affect your, affect your entire life and so many people around you yeah. Um, but yeah my my instant decision to tell the truth in that moment she said well okay and to be vulnerable around exactly her, really. exactly and, it, and that like, was like I the tough no part yeah i have no money i can't go 
And then she said, "Well, look up the plane tickets and and just book one and let me know, and I'll pay for, and I'll pay for it." And when I looked at the tickets, by then it was twelve hundred dollars to get from L.A. to Detroit. It was the the only flight that could get me to Detroit on in time for that pitch competition. It was like twelve hundred dollars. So I said, "No, there's no way that I can take this ticket." Um, so I, then I got off the phone. You know, I said, "I'm sorry, I'm just not going to take the ticket." She booked the flight uh-uh. herself, and she said, "Well, since you wouldn't book it with my credit card, because she initially wanted me to just take her credit card and book it, but she was like, well, since you didn't want to book it, I booked it for you. Get on the flight.'" And so I immediately rushed to the airport. I get to Detroit, and now I'm like, "Okay, I'm in Detroit." But now I don't know how to get to from Detroit Airport to the hotel, which is downtown, right. and um, and it was like super early in the morning, um, and so then I text group text a couple of my friends all over the country, and again like you know this is some most of my friends were on West Coast time, sure, but someone in New Orleans happened to be up, one of my friends in New Orleans, and he immediately booked me an Uber from. Oh the airport to the hotel. So I get to the hotel, and now I'm just like, how did I get here with no money? Mind you, we had negative 250 like $2. So no money. Um, I get to the hotel, and I'm thinking to myself, well, obviously, like, I'm going to be able to check in because there's, like, what are the chances that I'm going to get to the hotel and they're not going to let me check in after I got on a flight and got an Uber here with, like, no, you know, with, right. without any resources of my own. Because your credit cards are maxed they're out maxed at this out. point. Like, oh, there's nothing. Personal, there's nothing. Nothing. I, nothing. I literally yeah. had zero dollars. Yeah. So I go to the front, and I, like, confidently say to the uh, front desk, hey, you know, I know you you need a credit card for incidentals to check me in. My room is already paid for, but you need a deposit. I have a credit card. It has no money on it. So I could give you the credit card, but it's going to get declined. Can you check me in? And he was like, no, absolutely not. You right. know. And so now I'm like, well, that's a plot twist. I didn't see that coming. Um, so I leave. and I kind of go off to the lobby. And within two minutes, he comes over. He hands me the hotel room key. And he's like, just go. And he was like, I couldn't check you in because my manager was standing there. But, you know, just Unbelievable. go. Unbelievable. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the heavens were saying, you have to be there. Yeah. No. And then so I get to the pitch competition. And I'm thinking... I'm obviously gonna win. I'm gonna win this twenty five thousand dollars. Really thinking that? I yeah. really was thinking that. Yeah, like, you're like, if I got the airfare, I got an Uber and a hotel. Yes, with no money, like literally zero dollars, Sarah. So I get to the pitch competition. I was first, and I was like, okay. So I pitch, and when they're announcing the winners, I was so sure that I was gonna win that I literally started to get up from my seat. <laughs> I was starting to get up because I was like, well, I'm sitting kind of far from the stage, so I probably should start getting up to walk. And when they didn't announce Wiser, I was like, what just happened? Like, I really thought I was like in this like weird dream, you know, that Twilight Zone. Yeah, Twilight Zone, totally. Because I was like, obviously, I was supposed to win this $25,000. It was like slow motion. Yeah. And then, um, so I didn't win. So I went off afterwards. I was like crying the corner. And that's when Rob McDonald came up to me, told me about the brandry. It was, you know, uh, $50,000 investment. And so, you know, like looking back, I was like, and obviously the brandy was a, a better fit for us because sure. our company was so early on. If I if I had taken that 25000 there's no way that I would have went to the brandy. Like I would have just tried to make that 25000 turn into something in L.A. and stayed yes. in L.A. I never would have came to Cincinnati for sure. So, um so then, yes, yeah, so then I, I applied to the brandery, got here. But now, of course, I had to get to Cincinnati. Um, again, no money. 
a friend of mine in D.C. booked yeah. my ticket here. Um, I got here, and then I found out that CBS. I think I told this story, but so I had no money for food. So, but I found out that CBS. Can I just ask you, like, yeah. literally, how are you eating? Um, so while I was at home, my sister. So this is another story that, like, for another day. But so I was too embarrassed to tell my family members that I didn't have any money because, of course, the logical thing everyone would say was, "Natasha, this is the wrong career for you," right, and right. I didn't want them to say that. And so I just, um, I didn't tell anyone that, like, I didn't have any money. So my sister, um, I think towards the end. So I was staying with my sister, but my older sister. But towards the end of my living with her, I think she noticed that like I just didn't have food of my own. So she worked all day. She was like really she was a general manager, so she was really busy um, at a lab. And so she like would come home and have her leftovers, and I would eat her leftovers because I was too embarrassed to say that like I didn't have any food. And then I think she started noticing. She like she says that she doesn't, but I think she did. Like she, I think she's just like, like uh, subconsciously. She subconsciously. So she would say things like, "Hey, like Natasha, can you go buy me some paper towels?" And she would give me a twenty. And then when I would try to give her a change back, she'd be like. Oh no, like that was like your effort for going to the store or whatever. So she would do that. Like one time she gave me like a $50 bill to buy her a sandwich. And I was like, really? And she's like, yeah, get, get something for you. And then I would try to give her the change. She's like, oh no, 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 for the effort that you took to go buy the sandwich. Like, Thank you, God. <laughs> yeah. So she was doing a lot of that. And then, so when oh. I moved, but so when I went to Cincinnati, yeah. You know, like I had to figure out a new a new source to eat <laughs> <laughs> because it takes time to get the twenty five grand. Yes. Right? Oh yeah, they went through a whole like legal diligence and things like that. So, but I so I found out. Thank God for CVS. So CVS was giving away free gift cards, five dollar gift cards for downloading the app. So I downloaded the app at like one CVS, got the five dollar gift card, bought my groceries for the week, and then. Deleted it, went to another CVS. So I would like buy pasta, bread. Right. I was going to say, like, what do you buy? Yeah. Pasta, bread with one gift card. Deleted the app, went to another CVS, bought peanut butter, sauce, pasta sauce, cereal, and things like that. So I did this like four times. I was able to collect $20. And that $20 got us, got my co founders and I through like three weeks. And then the Brandery's funding kicked in. And so. Unbelievable. Did you do like a big meal? When the funding oh man, came through. you know it was like I think it was so funny. Like we, um, so the good thing was that the brandy in the first two weeks of the brandy um, program, they feed you at the oh, program. So they they kept giving us like you know catering meals and stuff. So we would just always take stuff home. Like after people like ate and they just left the food out, I'd be like, "You're just gonna leave the, all right. that food out?" So we like took home boxes of pizza, like leftover eagles. Like we had all these like great meals. You know, like I think. I think they had like they always had great local restaurants catering sure. and so we just took it all home okay and then does did the brandery provide housing for you so they they did um it was these great uh apartments in downtown otr and stuff but what they didn't what they didn't tell us was that they were unfurnished so i arrived here obviously like with, with nothing. nothing and so when i got here and realized they were all hardwood floors and so i couldn't even sleep on the floor if i wanted to um but so a friend of mine that actually uh, used to work for PNG that I knew from Arkansas, okay. who was in the same business program with me three years back, he lives in Cincinnati. So he gave me an air mattress, blanket, and a pillow, and I still have that blanket and pillow. So it's it's really really fun, funny oh. like to look back. <laughs> I love that. Okay, yeah. so so after you guys go through the Brandery program, and then 
I mean, your funding dries up at some point. Yep. So what do you do then? Yeah. So while we were in the brandery, um, two months into the program, so again, remember, we I moved here with no money. Two months into the program, we received a term sheet for $2 million. You're kidding. No. You're kidding. Yep. So we were the first company to be funded. So by the time our demo day. Was it through a Brandery Connection or a different one? It was through the Brandery Connection. So it was like, so the Brandery pairs you with investors. So they bring in investors to come meet with you. And it was so interesting. So Brad Zapp, Kinetic Ventures, was our lead investor. So we were, they like, they pair you, you know, they pick. Of the 10, they pick like five startups for every investor meeting. So like depending on what the, the investor's kind of focus area is, they choose startups um, based on that. So Wiser was the last company that they picked to meet with this investor. And by then, they had run out of time. So the investor, he only had three minutes. and we had So we had three minutes to pitch to the investor when everyone else had like 30 minutes. Um, so we get into the meeting, start talking about Wiser. And he, his like eyes light up. So I always tell entrepreneurs, you know if an investor understands your business when like he gets it in the first 120 seconds. If they don't get it, if there's like no excitement in the first two minutes, don't even waste your time. So is that why you didn't take, you said early on that you did get an offer from an investor, but you said that you turned them down. Right. Because they, they, we just knew that they weren't passionate about the idea. Like, they didn't care. And like, stuff. by the way, I think that's so ballsy and courageous that you were like, nope, they're not right. Like, I yeah. I don't know if I would be able to do that. I think I'd be like, take the money and run. Well, you know, investors are like, they're like, um, it's like a, getting like into a marriage. a marriage. It's getting, it's like getting into a marriage. And, you yeah. know, you don't want to go through a divorce. And so you just, you think about you like, a date. you need a date and you need to know like whether or not this person, and you sometimes you just know it's not a but good you, thing. Did you know that from the first startup? Yes, I did. And so we went through a lot with that. And because that startup failed and we went through so much, I think all of that learning like helped me with Wiser. And that's why they actually say most investors, they prefer to invest in founders and entrepreneurs that's been through a failure. Seriously? Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> that is so awesome. I think companies should hire people too on that right. foundation. Right. Right, because like, they've, they've been through it all, and also because they've experienced, like, some of the worst, you know, things to go through as a entrepreneur. And if you're still standing after that, you're kind of, I mean, you're, you're just resilient. very resilient. You can do anything. You really can. You're pretty fearless at that point. Like, you just, you know, you've been through the, the worst. The one thing that I'm trying to, to um, harness and not shy away from, because my last business failed, mm-hmm. I'm a little gun shy now. You know, I, I hear that, but I, I feel like you should really channel that, you know, like you yeah. not like. Well, that's why these podcasts it's channeling. Right. I'm cha- so I'm getting to kind of talk about it and process it. That's so selfish. Right. right? But but no, it's, it's a little it, bit of fear. Like, you know, dude, I can't have a second failure. What am I going to do? No. You know, so that's that's the like the, the greatest thing about failure, because when so and to back up kind of, you know, before Wiser. So the way that I started Wiser was actually from a very dark space. And and I can definitely relate to you. People don't realize it, but when you when a business like when you realize that your business is failing and you have to like close down shop and you have to end it, it is the worst feel it's one of the worst feelings I've ever like been through. And I lost my dad when I was fifteen and that was like the worst Terrible. feeling. Yeah. I would say losing my first startup is the second worst feeling to me. Like it just it you, you give so much. I, I, I have to agree with that because I've lost both of my parents. And yes, closing blown. It was like 
I just wanted to crawl into the bathroom in a corner. Right. Like you like you feel like you're a failure. And I felt like and I just remember I've always been a very upbeat, positive person. But I remember the only time in my life that I've ever thought to myself, I want to just go die. Like and I actually thought to myself, I'm just going to go walk in front of a car in like in front of a truck and just like kill myself. And that was the only time that I've ever, ever thought that was like after my first startup failed. And I just kept thinking, oh, my gosh, everyone's going to say because this is the startup that I left law school for. This is the startup that I left like my, you know, I had a set plan, like trajectory trajectory on what I was going to do with my life. And I left all of that to start that first company. And I just remember thinking to myself, oh, my gosh, everyone's going to say you're a failure. You can't do anything right. You're not like going to be successful at anything, and I just thought I there's no point in me like living anymore. Okay, so what turned it around? Um, so uh, I I was in New York at the time when that happened, and the reason why that happened actually, the investor, one of the investors that invested in that first company, he um, he took me outside and he said, "I effing hate your company. This is an SHIT idea. That first startup." And so I was like, well, why did you invest in a company that you hate so much? And he said, right. well, I believe that you're a really smart like uh, entrepreneur. Person. Yeah. And you, ha- you can inspire a lot of people. But I think you need to be working on something else. Like, this is not the company. So he kind of like, there was like some silver lining to that, I guess. <laughs> but his, his delivery was terrible. Right. Was, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and then. That so was after, like seriously a double edged sword on that one. Yeah. Like, you know, he could have delivered that better. But yeah. um, so after that, so I realized like, yeah, like the first company wasn't going anywhere. And I was in this mourning process. So I was like wandering around. Um, I was at Syracuse, in Syracuse at the time. I was running around the city just crying to myself, talking to myself. I was like laying on park benches. So I was laying on this park bench and a friend of mine, um, she came outside. She saw me from outside the window that I was sleeping on this park bench talking to myself and crying. And she said, Natasha, I want to tell you a story. And she told me about her restaurant that she had to close like a year before. And she said, I had 15 employees. And the day that I had to tell 15 employees that like, you know, we're closing down. I'm sorry. Like, I don't have a job for you anymore. It was the worst day of my like life. And for 30 days, I mourned it. But then I got out of it. And now I'm in a better place. And she said, you will get out of it. Like, I I believe you're going to get out of it. But she was like, you have to fight it. You can't do this. Like, you can't keep sitting here feeling sorry for yourself. And when she said that, like, I was like, Oh, so this has this happens to people, you know? Because I think sometimes you think, it. yeah, like sometimes like you, you think like you're, on an, you're island. on an island that this must be something that affects you because you're so bad and you're so something that you did personally. But like hearing her story, and you could see kind of like the pain still in her eyes, and you can see yeah. this is like a real thing, and she's gotten through it. Um, so then. Within that 24 hours, I started Wiser. So the idea Get for Wiser. Out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got it. <laughs> so similarly to me, the day that we had to tell our stylist that we were closing, I mean, I was like sick to my stomach all day long. And then when we told them, I expected them to be angry. I expected them to be angry. Yeah. Instead, they all cried and told us that we were the best managers or owners that they had ever worked for. And they started showering us with love and gratitude. And I walked out like on cloud nine. Yeah. And it was amazing. That is so awesome. It was awesome. And then, but then that goes away for a little bit, Mm -hmm. right? And then you're like back to reality. And my coach was like, you are so negative about blown. You need to harness and get right. something positive from this she's like she'd like write it down write a book 
around right. this, what you learned. So I kind of started to journal it, whatever. And then uh, I was talking to a friend of mine who works for Scripps. And, mm -hmm. you know, Scripps does a ton of podcasts. Yep. They own podcast companies. And I was like, you know, I love podcasts. I think I want to interview business leaders around what were some of their their failures and how they moved forward. Right. And that's where failing forward. That's so awesome. Came from. Yeah, I mean, and that's exactly it. Like, I mean, you know, Wiser wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that first startup failing. And I said, okay, well, what did I do wrong? I didn't click feedback and started Wiser within the next day. So, <laughs> and I feel like that investor, as much as his delivery was terrible, right? He gave you a gift of feedback because right. what he said to you was, "You're inspiring. You're an incredible leader. This is just the wrong idea for you." Right. Like right. he kind of he did like, he did hey, you need to keep going with this just a different idea yeah I have like a love hate relationship with him like when I look back sometimes like he was so horrible to me but then I'm like actually he wasn't because without him I probably you know I think as an entrepreneur and that's it's like it's it's both like a blessing and a curse because you're so passionate about things that right. like sometimes you just need someone to like push you in one, yeah. in one direction and did you know that I mean did you know that you were inspiring did you know that I mean, no I mean you know when you when, and honestly like whenever people say that I'm like really like I was just you, you I think you do things that you love and you don't do it because you want to be inspiring or you don't want to like you don't want people to be like hey she's so like cool or she's right. so good at this but like you just do things out of love and I think like it's cool that people think that but I'm always like what do you like what did you hear <laughs> no I was thinking it's like, <laughs> I think it's just like that talent, that God-given talent that you yeah. were that you were born with. Yeah, you know, I I definitely think that it's some. It's definitely a talent. Like a lot of some people get the gift of athletic abilities yeah, and not singing. Not me. Like singing and musical abilities. Not me. Like yeah. you know, all, there's a lot of things. And so now I'm like, okay, this is really like lately I've been feeling like this is really my talent. Like yeah. I was it's really my, meant to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, your purpose. I love yeah. that. <laughs> Well, this has been incredible, and I know that you're going to inspire a ton of listeners just Thank by you. sharing your story. It's incredible. I loved, I loved <laughs> the CBS and the, the getting here on all this oh, man. crazy it's, stuff. I think, like, the important thing for people to know is that it's okay if you don't have the resources yet. Like, And, and I read a great quote, quote yesterday. It was like, it's not about the resources of what you, like, have or you don't have. It's how resourceful are you? And so that's like the okay, key so thing. Okay, so I'm going to say it again. It's not about the resources that you do or don't have, don't mm -hmm. have. It's about how resourceful you can be. Yes. Say it again. Exactly. So it's not about the resources that you have or you don't have. It's how resourceful you can be. Because even if someone gave you a million dollars, if you didn't know how to use that million dollars, you're not going to get very far. Thanks, Natasia. Thank you. <laughs> I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, Anna Bolke, our producer, and the incredible team at Gwyn Sound. If you liked this episode, please, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and write a review. On the next episode, I speak with David Falk. He's a very successful chef. And like many of us, he talks about how he experienced the imposter syndrome when he made it big.